Hello, fortune seekers, and welcome to the first episode of the X Seekers of Fortune official podcast. I'm your fellow fortune seeker, Joel Watts, and joining me today is the co-founder and the co-creator, or the co-founder of Mega Moth Studios and the co-creator of X Seekers of Fortune and my creative partner, Mr. Danny Ayub. Well, hello there, Joel. Uh, I feel like uh, we're off to a pretty energetic start here. You think you can uh, raise up that uh, that Joel energy a bit today? I think uh, I think you're a little a little low. Or you got a little. Stage oh, I just think I the... just ha- I I have like you know the I have the two lanes. I have the uh, you know the Charlie Parker or whatever. Is it Charlie Parker? I don't know you who know, Charlie the, uh, Parker is. Uh, I know who Peter Parker the, is. The... I know who Charlie <laughs> Brown Parker. is. Spider my Spider Man. Okay. No, I was thinking of maybe Charlie Rose. I was thinking Charlie of that Rose. like the late that show is. that would always be you know very smooth, and we're just having a chat with a creative person. And then there's like the side of me who's like much more energetic. And when I have written content, I tend to I guess go back into the uh, much more smooth uh, character. But yeah, you're right. I can definitely uh, bring it up. I mean, let's bring it up. Like by, I'm not uh, saying that you're not smooth. Always like you're definitely yeah. smooth, but. I mean, this is this is a podcast about excitement and adventure. So I want you, to see Fortune Seeker Joel. Okay, well, should, should I take it again then? No, I think we're good, man. Like this is this okay. is why uh, no one pays us to do a podcast for for great moments like this. I feel like this is very ambitious for the first thirty seconds of a podcast, but I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. Uh, that's uh, that's because we have a lot of ambition in front of us because we have that not to toot our own horns, but the two of us have created a game, a card game, in fact, a strategy card game called X Seekers of Fortune. And, um, you know, Danny, why don't you uh, tell us, why don't you give the spiel that we were giving all weekend long? Why don't you break it down for the folks who might not know about the game? Sure, absolutely. I'm happy to give the spiel. I've been practicing this uh, quite a bit. And let's see if I can get it mm-hmm. off the cuff here. So in X Seekers of Fortune, players are on the hunt for lost relics and legendary sites, all while performing heroic feats to outfox their rivals. Uh, yeah, and so uh, and to fill in after that, the way that you so in our game, the way that you win is being the first to complete five adventures, and you're on you're in a race with your rival to do that. Um, as we move forward with the podcast we'll uh, we're sure we're going to get more into the specifics of how the game works and how we developed it the creative process behind it some of the some of the roadblocks we ran into and the creative decision making we uh made in order to get past those roadblocks um all that and more coming uh not just in this episode but in all the episodes that follow so let's not get bogged down in every single question that we could answer right now how about we just start by answering the simple question, how was your week, Danny? My week? Uh, yeah. My week was fairly good. I mean, I'm, I'm riding okay. high coming off a of Comic Palooza 2023. That yeah. was a heck of a weekend. Uh, you were in town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll be getting to that. Uh, and yeah, I was in town. Uh, in fact, this my second question for you, just to sort of break the ice. Uh, it might have been something that we did together. Have you eaten anything good lately? Have I eaten anything good? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had a pretty, pretty decent meal there at Tiny Champions. Uh, yeah, the Italian food slash pizzeria. That was delicious. Yeah, so for people who are familiar with the Houston area or the Houston food scene, Tiny Champions is like uh, a pizza, 
uh, fast. I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. But it's a it's a pizza Italian uh, type of restaurant from uh, the people who brought Nancy's Hustle, which is also phenomenal. Uh, we'll have to go there the next time you're in, in town, Joel. You will not be disappointed. But yeah, uh, Tiny Champions is fast becoming one of my, my favorite spots to grab some food. And if you go, highly recommend, highly mm -hmm. recommend the Greens Pizza. It doesn't sound like it would be as mm -hmm. phenomenal as it is, but it is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then for dessert... Oh yeah, I can sign off on that. Yeah, for sure. And then Joel, I would actually recommend what you had for dessert. That was, uh, what was that? The coffee sundae? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, co the coffee ice cream sundae. And that, so it's coffee ice cream topped with hot fudge brownies. And then around the rim, they put these tiny donut holes. Oh, my God. That, let's just say when I, when I shared it with my friends, I, uh, they, they noted my mark of regret for saying that I could have, they could have one of the donut holes. And it's because it was so good, I didn't want to let it go. But it was also so amazing that I had to share it. Yeah. So <laughs> I've never seen someone so disappointed while, while sharing their food with another person. It's like, hey, do you want a bite? Oh, you do? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that pretty much is. Um, well, I can concur on those first two questions I wanted to use as an icebreaker. I had one more icebreaker question, and I think this one we might actually have different answers on. And I just figured this would set the table for the people coming to the game. If they've heard about the game, if they've taken interest in the game, they probably will relate to this question and have thought about it themselves. If you were a magic card, what color would you be? Blue. I mean, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did not expect that to be, take you much long, uh, any pondering from you. I mean, you definitely are cunning and tricksy and, uh, uh, you know, often upsetting. Yeah, well, that's that's typically what I go for. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think blue is, I don't know if it's the most trolly of uh, magic colors. I mean, I think there's a, a good argument to be made for some of these chaos effects in red, but... Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, no, no one, no one really likes a blue player. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what that says about me or the company I keep. But <laughs> to the, to the, to the commander players out there, if you're uninitiated, if somebody's playing a pure blue deck at your commander game, they are the target first and foremost. No politics need to happen. I don't know about that. The person is taken out. Listen, the blue player <laughs> at the table is the least threatening. Take care of everyone else, and then <laughs> no, I'm no. sure they'll be easy to pick off at the end. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just coming from the blue player, just remember that. Um, yeah, I had no doubt in your answer there. You've always been drawn to blue since I think we first started playing the game. Uh, and maybe one of the reasons our, our temperaments work so well together is if I... Uh, the I have two colors I debate whenever I think about this question, uh, and I think I ultimately have to say that I am mostly white, at least idealistically. You are very pale. I think <laughs> I'm working on it. I, I, I'm working on a base tan this summer. I'm going out running without my shirt on, you know, trying to build that up. But but yes, the great, the, the you know, praise the sun, white mana, uh, you know, the plains are where I, I think I truly belong. I like, a, I, I tend to like things to be well organized and uh, in the right place. And I believe in justice and doing what's right. Uh, well, uh, white doesn't always do what's right, but still, uh, it is the color of magic that I think at least my high-minded self identifies with the most. I think when I'm in a bad mood, 
or uh, I'm in a bit of a chaotic, you know, in a bit of less of a controlled space, I t might go a little red. Why don't we go ahead and move on to today's topic, okay. which is going to be our debut at Comic Palooza 2023. Now I've divided this into two parts. We're first going to talk about the preparation. And once we're done with that, we'll talk about the reception afterwards. Okay. Uh, so um, I guess to get us started, Danny, uh, do you want to tell a little bit of the story of how we decided that Com Comic Palooza 2023 was going to be our uh, debut? Sure, absolutely. So we actually were very, very fortunate um, to have an opportunity to participate in Comic Palooza. Um, it wasn't something that was on our radar initially, but um, you know, we've been in the process of getting the game uh, developed for a long time. And, and one of the items that uh, is, of course, on the roadmap when you're bringing a game to market is getting that high quality graphic design uh, taken care of, making the cards look fantastic, the packaging, everything, right? So uh, we met a, uh, a, a graphic designer by the name of Veldi Forrest, who happened to be the uh, the graphic designer for Comic Palooza, or one of them, I'm not really sure how many people are on that team. And so we've been discussing the game, and we demoed the game, and he said, you know, you should reach out to the tabletop programming people at Comic Palooza and see if maybe they'd be open to you bringing the game to Comic Palooza. And so that's what we did. And um, thankfully, we got accepted. And we had an opportunity to, to exhibit the game at Comic Palooza this weekend. Um, you know, I don't know. I was on the fence to, to, to begin with. I was a little bit hesitant, but you pushed me. You said, hey, you know, I think now is the time uh, for us to get out there and, and show the game to the world. At least that's my memory of it. I don't know what. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, we were riding high. We were talking to LD. Uh, we, we had just like printed out and played the first physical prototype of our, our deck, uh, our game, we had taken it to uh, one of the, your local LGS, uh, The Adventure Begins, and we had played, we had like demonstrated the game for like three or four people, and it seemed like there was already some, you know, interest developing amongst those people. And we only played like one game with one person there, but like three or four people came over and watched. And I think we, I was riding really high on that. We were out at dinner with LD, uh, just, you know, to talk business and to figure out like what the next steps would be in that relationship. And I, I was just thinking that if we don't start doing these things, these um, conventions um, or demonstrations, we're not going to, you know, you know how, you know, one of those, we just need to start. Right. You got to rip the bandit off. And I, I think that that is something that as a indie game designer as a aspiring game designer wherever you are in your journey sometimes it's hard to make that next step right like sometimes you're very focused on getting the product to be perfect um and honestly that's something that we struggled with uh a lot in our our earlier career as film producers right is the script right mm -hmm. is the cut right and the reality is there's never going to be something that's perfect it's always about getting it as close to that point of diminishing returns as you can and knowing when to abandon a creative project. And so for us, you know, we made the decision like, okay, hey, we think we've gotten as close as we can, at least without outside feedback. And that's the other element, right? When you're dealing with game design and play testing, there's only so much you can do yourself. At a certain point, you need to 
unleash it in the wild and see what happens when real people who have no emotional attachment to the game start playing it and actively trying to break it. And that's where we are now. And um, if you're at that point or you think you're close to that point, you know, make the jump. It's time to make the jump. And who knows, they might become some of the first fans of your game. Yeah, that's the other cool thing is, you know, you'd be surprised how many gamers are out there in the world. I mean, you're probably not surprised. I mean, there's there's quite a few. That, that reminds me of the, din- the dinner we talked about earlier with LD. Uh, not our waitress, but another waiter came over uh, as we were talking. Uh, and he was like, whoa, are those? He, he asked if they were Magic the Gathering cards that we had with us. And I, uh, I actually stopped and pitched him the game and uh, gave him more information because if you run into one of those people out in the wild who takes an interest as as to you know to your game you owe it to yourself to try to convert them into being a fan as soon as you can absolutely and a lot of people if they just see people playing x seekers of fortune from a distance uh they definitely um would think that they're playing magic just in terms of the the game setup and and how cards are laid out it's not the same at all uh in terms of layout and and and, and gameplay but you at a glance you could see how someone might yeah. make that uh at a assumption. glance at a glance across the room yes but once they get closer they're going to start seeing something that's like whoa this is ma-, you know this is a bizarre world <laughs> version of the layout what's going on here and we're hoping that catches eyes dimension uh, x. but since we were on the t- <laughs> yeah dimension yeah oh man that should have been the name dimension x magic the other item that we um had printed out specifically for this event were the uh, postcards, which we used to advertise uh, the game. It was the thing that we handed to people as they walked by. Yep. Um, do you want to talk about like um, how, the, the design of that and uh, how it turned out? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually really proud of the postcard. Um, now, going to the event, one of the things that we identified that we really wanted to make sure we had was obviously something to hand people uh, to, to allow them to continue to engage with us and to learn more about... Uh, about the product in the game. And um, so we came up with this idea for a postcard um, because, you know, if you hand somebody something that, and it just has a bunch of specs about your game, they're going to throw it away. As, as nice as your game is, people don't really care. I mean, that's the reality. So when you're coming to a marketing, you know, strategy for an event like this, it's really important to say, what would build intrigue in the mind of of the person who's being handed this card? And so the way we did this was we we ended up creating a, a postcard. So the front of the card has the key art from the game for Unearth, Jericho Stone looking ripped, walking in front of something that he's presumably pulled out of a hole in the ground. Name of the game, X Seekers of Fortune website, very standard. The backside, though, looks like it's a postcard. And on the postcard is a message uh, written presumably to Jericho or maybe it's the player we, we don't know for sure uh, but it's it says you know dear old friend uh, and then it, it, it basically is a cryptic message talking about um, how something that has uh, been a, 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 a outstanding uh, problem for them something with a missing piece has has finally been found and it's time to to live up to a promise so immediately you're being pulled into the story you know the 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 person who's got the postcard in their hand they are the person receiving it 
and uh, the, the, the address and everything's blacked out, so it feels redacted and it's signed X. And we put a QR code on that and it brings you to a special landing page just for the event uh, that is the location uh, that was called out in the postcard as the rendezvous site. Um, and there we, we give people um, early access, um, the ability to sign up for our, our closed beta and get on that waiting list. So I was very proud of that. I mean, it's very, very important when you go to an event like this that you have a way uh, to, to capture the people who are interested and give them an opportunity uh, to, to interact with the, the, the game on an ongoing basis. Um, if they picked up the card, they're interested, and, and now you owe it to them to deliver more information and a story for them to follow along. Oh, for sure. And I really like what you had to say about like, you know, you're, you're putting the characters in or the players in this in the seat of the character, because uh, for the two of us, we've talked about it often. For us, game design is about almost designing a story that you play, um, you know, and I'm sure we'll have debates with other game designers in the future about that. But for us, we really do want you to take take on a role. So for the first thing for our uh, potential players to see ever is a postcard that tells them that they are part of the game, they are part of the universe. I think that's very important. It makes them feel like instantly like they are the explorer, they are the adventurer, and they're out. And there's somebody else out there who's taught, you know, I think you, I think you really worded well the message that we put on the back of the postcard for it to both feel like a frenemy. Yes, exactly. You don't, you know, yeah. And, um, so I had uh, two things I wanted to say about the postcard creation process. Uh, one is a, a, one is a fun fact, but I'm going to start with something that's more of like um, I think a, maybe it's a bit of wisdom. I'm not sure, but you did write pretty quickly the um, the message on the back of the postcard, and I'm one who tends to mull things over and think and think and think. And while I was like designing the postcard and I had the type there and I could keep rereading it. I nearly pushed us, I think, to try to make something that was a little bit more like the pitch to the game or to weave in game elements into it. But, uh, and as we'll see, we'll, we'll get to it in a, uh, talking about a later item um, that we tried to get a hold of. I, I decided that rather than stop us developing the postcard and going back to the blackboard on uh, what exactly does it say and try to make it more poetic and incorporate uh, maybe the lead identities, which we'll get into those later. I decided, no, Joel, what we have works. Don't, you know, we only have so much time to work on this. And if we stop and try to figure out like something better to put on the back, we might not end up putting anything on the back. And like I said, what you have on the back was already so evocative and set a table. It would just be, it would probably be too clever by half to try to name drop like four or five of the different game elements into the postcard message. So I just wanted to say that. I think I, I think that's something, yet again, this is, we are doing this project in order to, uh, the project being this podcast in order to chronicle our journey and talk about like some of the, the, the major victories and the small defeats we get along the way. And I do think that sometimes get out of your own way. If it, you have something good enough, go with it because for everything you stop and try to make perfect, there might be five other things you don't even get to in time. Yeah, 
So at the very least, get to everything and then circle back to try to make something else perfect. Yeah, I think that's great advice, Joel. I mean, it's better to have everything done at 80% than have, mm -hmm. uh, you know, some critical pieces completely missing, but then having, you know, two or three things at, you know, 99%. Um, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, with these sorts of things, oftentimes the the sum is greater than, than, than you know, the pieces are... Uh, how does how does that go? Do you remember how that goes? The <laughs> the the sum is greater. Than the, the sum parts. of the pieces is, is that... greater than the whole. Something like that. Somebody somebody something, out there, yeah. throw that that uh, in chat GPT and and put it in the comments, please. Um, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's and a way to like automate. Work. You know, get a little like automation going so that chat GPT listens to the podcast and then just automatically comments everything that we mess up. That would be cool. That would be amazing. Yeah. I think that, you know what? If, if Throw away X Secrets of Fortune. <laughs> Never mind. We have the product that every podcaster wants. They could just run it through real time, have that just spit out the comment. They pin that comment. Nobody has to interact with their episode ever again because uh, they don't have to be corrected. Um, but unfortunately, we'll have to put that one on our back burner because we still have to talk about the card game. And I just wanted to bring up the fun fact about the card, uh, the postcard, before we moved on to the, the next uh, piece that I, I wanted to tell the story about. So you said the address was blacked out. Do you have any guess as to the address I put behind the redaction? Like the actual street address or as in? Yeah. Well I, well, I mean, you don't have to nail the street address, but I think you have an you probably have an idea of who I went to to for the street address. Well, I, I thought that that um, Jericho Stone was the name of the person that it was addressed to, but as far as the address, if that's like a real address, so okay, hint is it is it a fictional address or is it a real life address? Well, that's I guess that's a good question. I. Looking at the address, I assumed it was a real address, but I'll tell you that it's for it's a real address for a fictional character. Is it is like is it indie? Is it an indie address? Yeah, it's one of indie's addresses. Very nice, very very yeah, nice. It says that's a nice specific, touch. It's the that's a nice touch. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it was the address to Indiana Jones's uh, class, uh, not his class, to his school. And then I made the classroom number the next number over as though Jericho Stone is teaching in the next class over. Oh, I like that. That That is cool. That's very cool. That nice touch thing, I'm fairly certain I picked that up off of TikTok. It's like a mind virus, right? Like people have <laughs> things, they sneak into your brain, then you're saying them and you're like, mm -hmm. why am I saying this? And I'm 99% <laughs> sure that there's a, a guy who has a TikTok channel out there and his whole thing is looking at things and seeing things that are a little exceptional and being like, that's a nice touch. And you know what? He's typically right. And I don't know why, but I really like content like that because I really appreciate nice touches. There's two other items. I think there's maybe two other items to talk about in preparation. Um, the the one that I was I was most proud of seeing, or kind of seeing as believing was the play mats. Now, this one, um, it was like an adaptation because we do have our game set up on Tabletopia. And a while ago, we set up a board for the Tabletopia uh, to just make it look nicer. And so I was mostly taking those and adapting them to um, the 
how should I say, the dimensions. So actually, yeah, it was a bit of a back and forth process because uh, to figure out how to get the play mats because I think when you first imagined the play mats, you thought we would have, I guess, maybe individual play mats per person. And I instantly thought, thought of, like I've seen them before, these longer, wider play mats that are meant to spread across an entire table. So it's like one play mat for an entire game and, and you know, both players' side. Um, how did you feel about seeing, when, when those came in, how did you feel about them? Well, anytime you order anything online uh, that you're spending money to print, uh, it, there's yeah. always like a little bit of trepidation, like, <laughs> mm -hmm. is this going to look like uh, what it, what it looked yeah. like online, or is this going to end up being uh, really, really embarrassing to put on a table at Comic Palooza? Turned out really, really good. I was very happy. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, the big takeaway, of course, when we were designing them is that the play space we created for Tabletopia is massive compared to what we ended up printing. And I, I don't know how big a play mat we would have needed to make in order for it to, to actually go on the table, but it would it would have taken up probably, I would guess, maybe another half a play mat worth of space or, or something like that. It was, mm -hmm. it was fairly big. And this is something when you're starting out in the design process, every single asset that you make is going to feel like you're climbing a mountain. <laughs> well, let's let's move let's fast forward and talk about uh, part two of this conversation, the reception that we received from um, uh, from Comic Palooza, from the attendees of Comic Palooza 2023, our playtesters, you know, looky loos, and uh, some of our friends who came out and experienced the game for the first time too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, overwhelmingly, the feedback was was positive. I mean, everyone that I spoke with, um, you know, had very genuine, uh, very, very heartfelt, positive feedback for us. And it, it really energized me and made me feel, you know, like, good, we're on the right track, we're doing the right thing, we're bringing something fun and thrilling in the world. And now I just can't wait to share it with everyone, right? Mm -hmm. When you when you first make something, you know, you have a, an idea of what it is, and you you know, you hope you know how it'll be received. But then when you start seeing people actually respond the way you think they'll respond, you know, that's very special. And, and it makes you just want to show it to everyone, share it with everyone. One of the things, though, I have to say that really, really, um, blew me away uh, was some of the other game designers that we met there. We met a lot of really incredible uh, game designers. We met Curvin from uh, For Why Games. Um, if you don't follow him on TikTok, you absolutely should. Um, Curvin's one of those special people who's out there genuinely trying to grow the community, really trying to help uh, other creators uh, and other game designers find an audience. He's been extremely generous. Um, he had incredible insights to share. Um, so, you know, if you have an opportunity, um, I think he's at 4Y Games uh, on, on TikTok. If he's not, we'll make sure we put the right link in the description. But give Curvin a follow. Uh, you won't regret it. I would completely concur with that. I am new to tech TikTok myself, but when I saw his channel and saw some of his, uh, uh, just prove some of his uh, TikToks, I was like, this is the kind of content that I approve of on on this platform. Um, and I believe he was the one who uh, got us hip to the uh, printer out of Michigan as well. Yeah, Delano Games out of Battle Creek, Michigan. Um, yeah, that was uh, a recommendation. Also, someone we haven't reached out yet, but we will 
have some conversation, but I'll go ahead and share it here for whoever it helps. Game Crafter. Yeah. So Game Crafter was, was something that uh, a couple of the other game designers shared with us as well. Um, Patrick from Patty Cake Games and Jay and Caroline Brock from Brock Play Plays uh, Brock's Pl Jay and Caroline Brock from Brock's Play Games, um, and so Game Crafter appears to be. And again, I haven't delved into this enough to really give you my full assessment, but it seems to be a really good option for people who want a physical, high quality version of their board game, um, but aren't ready to make a big order. If you use some of these other manufacturers, you have to be ready to pull the trigger on, um, you know, much larger minimum quantity. Well, let, okay, so let's go back to shouting out some of the people we got to play with. Uh, one, and here's, okay, here's another reason that you, if you are a game designer, you need to go to your first convention a, as soon as possible, get in however you can, because one of the people that we met at this his name is Ender, and while I was playing, I played Ender, I believe, uh, our his first game of X Seekers of Fortune. And while I was playing against him, I learned that he works for a tabletop uh, gaming store, like a comic book slash game store. And how I mean, how else are you going to make these kind of connections so organically than to yeah. go to these kind of conventions? Um, Danny, did you you got to speak to Ender as well, correct? Yeah, I got to speak with Ender. Really, really nice guy. Um, we met him and his mother um, and talked to them about the possibility of coming out and, and demoing at their store. And I think we're meeting with them tomorrow to talk about that some more. So hopefully we'll have another Houston event coming up soon. Uh, they own Uncanny in Richmond. Uh, Uncanny, we'll... was it like just Uncanny or is it like Uncanny Books and Comics or Games and Comics? So they own Uncanny Comics and Games in Richmond, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston. Um, and okay. it sounds like we're going to do something with them here in the, in the coming weeks. Um, certainly, uh, you know, by August, uh, assuming everything works out. And um, yeah, excited to, to have another opportunity to share uh, the game with, with more players in the Houston market. Well, uh, the main thing I wanted to, I did want to, touch up uh, touch base on is the fact that uh another reason you should go to a convention or demo your game somewhere in mass get a large amount of strangers to look at your game is we kind of needed we're we're looking down the barrel of taking the next steps of developing ourselves as an indie game company and that means taking on uh investment and or taking out loans in order to have the finances to take the next step to set up our our game to be printed with a printer to do the marketing and uh and create the assets we're going to need to run a kickstarter to start paying a social media manager um and all of these sorts of things that go with running a business and you need to know before you take out all that money and all that responsibility because you that's not free money you're taking you're either going to have to pay it back or you're going to have to look somebody in the face and tell them i'm sorry I don't have your money for you. You want to know that you at least are going in with confidence. It's called, I think it's called market research most of the time, but in, in games, your market research is finding gamers and putting the game in their hands and seeing how they like it. And that's what this gave us. Our, I kind of think of it as a make or break moment. Do we move forward or do we go back a step and look at what, and go back to the drawing board? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, coming out of Comic Palooza, I feel 
hundred percent. Um, I feel a hundred percent ready to, to accept investment. Uh, I feel a hundred percent ready to make the game, you know, obviously these things are, 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 are never a sure thing when it comes to sales, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it finds its audience. Maybe it doesn't. I believe it will find its audience. Um, and so as much as you can feel confident about this, these sorts of things, I feel confident. I, I, felt so confident after Comic Palooza that, you know, I had a call with one of our investors um, and, you know, I just said to them, hey, look, you know, I really think you're going to want to do this based on the feedback we got this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they were already like, hey, look, you know, I've not even thought twice about it. This is this is something that I believe in and, and, and I fully support it. And so... Of course, that feels good to hear too. But I mean, really, this weekend gave us a lot of confidence. And I think, to your point, Joel, had we gone here this weekend and the feedback been, was different, if it was, you know, hey, you know, there's something here, but you know, here's some problems that we think you need to solve, or, you know, whatever the reaction was going to be, if it was lukewarm, anything other than stellar. You and I are the type of people who would have gone back to the drawing board and said, okay, why didn't this work? How do we tune this engine? How do we get this to the point where we feel confident accepting money mm-hmm. to bring this to market? Um, yeah. And I do feel like that's that's where we left off uh, this weekend. I feel more confident in the game than I've ever felt before. Yeah. And we, we, we had a feeling, that's why we went to the card shops uh, like uh, Dragon's Lair and The Adventure Begins and played some local strangers, you know, because we wanted to get an idea of, you, are we just insular? Are we just creating the perfect game for Joel and Danny to play against each other? Or did we actually create something that other people would enjoy? And we had an idea that we had created something other people would enjoy, but the difference between three, four people playing your game and telling you that it's great or, or that there's something there and that they're excited to play it and having 20 people in a day play your game and every one of them walking away saying, having positive things to say, agreeing to give video testimonials, um, have, you know, and some even claiming that they would buy the game from us right then and there if we had it for sale. That's that's the kind of confidence boost that you need and that's the kind of reception i think you should have before you start spending tens of thousands of dollars to print and market your game yeah exactly and and honestly that was the best feedback we received i mean it's always great to hear people say that they enjoyed the game that it was fun but the fact that you know we had quite a few people talking about how tight and polished it was that made me feel like um you know, I think craftsmanship is something that's important to both of us. Um, and, it, and it made me feel like we had taken the time to really craft something worth an, another person's time. And I mean, that's another key thing, right? And I don't want to go on down another tangent. I mean, this is something we'll talk about at another time, I'm sure. But you're asking for people's time. You're asking for their attention. Make sure that it's worth it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't take it for granted. We're extremely grateful for everyone who gave us you know, the time to try the game and, and we hope to always be worthy of our players' time and attention. Exactly. We both came from, uh, and we'll get again, something else to get into in the future. We both came from a filmmaking background and let's face it, we, we were probably guilty of this before, but sitting down and watching something that somebody obviously had not put that same time and attention into producing, but they still expected you to enjoy it 
it's just you don't want to be on that end of the creative process where you you subjugated somebody to a half-baked experience and you're you're thinking that you're you're you personally think yourself a, a genius and then you look into the eyes of the person who you just uh, shared your creativity with and they're confused or worse they're they just had no feelings towards it yeah yeah absolutely yeah. so I think we should uh, I wanted to just mention our next step post uh, uh, Comic Palooza, our next big event, we've already gotten scheduled on the calendar. Um, we are going to be in Norman, uh, Norman, Oklahoma. 405 Brewing. So yeah, the event is in Norman, Oklahoma. It's a yes. partnership with 405 Brewing. We'll be at the brewery on July 1st from noon mm -hmm. till 8 p.m. We'll be doing uh, demos. We've got six slots per hour, every hour on the hour from 12 to 8. We'll have pizza for people at 4 if you actually are a challenger, meaning you actually sit down and demo, we will buy you a beer. Your first pour is on the house uh, for challengers. And then mm -hmm. after 8 p.m., we're gonna hang out till about midnight and it'll just sort of be a after party, free play after party. Um, mm -hmm. We'll have decks, people will be able to play um, and we'll, we'll just have a good time and visit and, and get to know the community and, and hopefully uh, help some people seek some fortunes. Yeah. And uh, I just want to clarify on the uh, we'll buy you a beer. That is with the stipulation that you're over 21 years old. So you 14-year-old players out there, sorry, you're not getting by us. ID yeah. required. Yes, absolutely. You must yes. be 21 years old or you will not be given a beer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and this is going to be a big opportunity for us to meet up with some of our, our old friends who went out there and uh, who moved out to Oklahoma just a few years ago, uh, Annie Wymore and Will Wymore and their family. Um, and Annie is actually our social media marketing guru. And so she's if you see anything from our uh, Instagram or TikTok account that you think is genius, she might have had something to do with it. Um, and I'm just really excited to get, you know, to get out of the state, to get a different uh, setting and to d display, to, uh, to demo our game for the people of Norman, Oklahoma. So uh, if you in the episode description, I'm sure we're going to post a link where you can if you are in the area, if you're in the Oklahoma City area, please uh, follow the link and RSVP to demo our game on that day. And uh, we just want to see a lot of a lot of folks out there who are excited for X Seekers of Fortune. Uh, well, with that said, I think we're ready to move on to your section, your topic, Danny. Uh, what do you have for us this uh, this week? Yeah, so, you know, every week I, you know, I'm gonna just bring, you know, something random to the table uh, because, you know, even though we are all here because we enjoy games, wanna learn about games, wanna talk about games, maybe wanna pay attention or keep up to date with X Seekers of Fortune, you know, there's room in our lives for something else. And so today I had an idea of what I was going to talk about, something adventure themed, of course, and, and we will, we'll do that next week. But instead, something happened to me as I was preparing for this uh, inaugural podcast. So I had just done my test. I was uh, looking in the camera, very happy with how I uh, looked, you know, as happy as I can ever be. Uh, and uh, I was like, you know what I want? I really, I have a screen for my microphone. Let me see if I can find that, improve the, the audio quality. I think it's in my attic. 
So, uh, you know, a few minutes before we're going to go on, I decide to go up to my attic and I'm trying to make a phone call at the same time. Multitasking, not a good thing when you're trying to get into an attic. I uh, somehow, <laughs> the ladder hit me in the face and, and cut me in like three places. So uh, I don't know how visible it is because I also attempted to mask it with some children's uh, face paint. Uh, here's a little plug for blue squid face paint. It did not work very well, I think, because one of the cuts was a little on the deep side. Uh, so I looked like I was punched in the face, but in reality, I was just... Uh, smacked by a ladder exactly so yeah very, like i said very random uh a thing to have happen but i think this is if i were to take a learning moment from this because that's why i've always tried i'll always be the one to tr maybe try to link things back to a, a learning moment this is like don't let excuses stand in your way danny could have easily have said and i know uh danny you know you were i don't want to say fretting but you know you wanted to make sure you were prepared and that this went as smoothly and as cleanly as possible uh, you were you were getting everything in order i mean obviously you went up to the attic to make the recording even better and then you got hit in the face and you could you, like i said you could have decided hey we can't do this today we'll have to wait till next week or until this heals or until i can go and get some proper makeup to cover up the the injuries but we i i would uh, and i didn't push you to do this but i think we both agree you know kind of non-verbally agreed that the show must go on the show must go on. I, I thought that when you said you were going to be the one who was going to like give us the lesson learned, it was going to be that you shouldn't try to like make <laughs> phone calls while getting a ladder down from an attic or like take your time, do one thing at a time. But instead, it's if you get hit in the face with a ladder, correct. the show must That's, go on. That is the correct so, answer. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, I mean, okay, if we were to take a step back, I, I mean, I, I think that. Uh, I guess a reminder to like when you first make your first prototype, if there was another lesson, you know, it is the don't try to make it. Don't worry about making a perfect out of the gate. Um, I, I think I said this a few times to you. If we can make right. it to episode 100 and we look back at this episode and it looks exactly like episode 100, uh, we're going to be disappointed that we didn't progress. You know, if we want we want to be able to look Correct. back at this episode and say, wow, what <laughs> we had a long way to go, didn't we? So. Yeah, look at that, episode zero, when <laughs> yeah. I got all those well, scars on my face. That, it's going to be, yeah, that'll be fun to remember back to. But anyways, well, with that, with the latter story out of the way, I think we should go ahead and get ourselves out of here. Um, so, um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us for the first inaugural episode of X Seekers of Fortune, the official podcast. I've been your host, Joel Watts, and joined by... By me, Danny A.U. Thanks, yes, guys. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Fortune seekers, keep seeking that fortune.